Money FM 89.3, the best of Saturday mornings. Talking about getting there, getting anywhere, Singapore's Changi Airport has now become the leader among Asian airports in terms of international uh, passenger traffic for the second quarter of this year. Hong Kong, however, sadly, has uh, languished and didn't even make it into the top 10. Um, Aviation experts say that they are expecting the gap between the rival airports to widen, with global airline industry groups warning uh, that Hong Kong had a long way to go to catch up to the rest of Asia. So here's what the numbers look like. Uh, From April to June, Changi handled 7.3 million passengers to take the top spot. Uh, The next four busiest airports were Delhi, uh, Bangkok, Seoul, and KL. And KL was sort of at the bottom of that list with 2.6 million. So we had 7.3 million people mm. in the first quarter this year. Now, that's a far cry from what it was pre-COVID, but it's getting back to it's still dag- some it's kind of, It's still bigger kind of than our entire population. So yeah. that in itself is a remarkable comeback. I did stuff at uh, Changi Airport earlier in the year. It's great to see them bouncing back for several reasons. Uh, not least of all... <sighs> It felt like a ghost town, mm. Changi Airport. It and was. To see these, well, it was, yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. To see these, you know, very forlorn, sad faces, empty stores, shuttered stores, it's great to see them slowly coming back. There's a lot of people's jobs, Singaporeans' jobs, at stake at Changi Airport. Let's take a look now at our regional travel trends. Our old friend, good friend, Todd Arthur, Managing Director of Sabre Corporate, joining us uh, to talk about that. Todd, welcome back to Money FM. Good to see you again and a rare sighting of you in Singapore rather than you being on the road. Yeah, good to, uh, good to be with you this afternoon or this morning, Glenn and Neil. Good to see you both. Todd, uh, so Singapore is back number one uh, for the quarter uh, in terms of its uh, passengers coming in. We got to 7.3 million. Uh, take us uh, from your perspective. How how are the how are the flights looking these days? Are we are we bumping back into kind of a a normal pattern uh, that we might see uh, getting back toward pre-COVID? Yeah. So actually, I just arrived last night about 12 o'clock in uh, coming in from the U.S. And you know, the airport at midnight was busy. Immigration looked like pre-COVID times. Hmm. It's great. You were talking earlier around the public transportation system here in Singapore. This may be the only airport in the world that has an SLA on when your bags are going to get delivered to you. I mean, it's a rare occasion that you get off the plane, you go through the automated gates that you don't already have your bag, yeah. you know, come around in the package carousel. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, it, it starts to feel like it's, it's really coming back. But if you think about this, we're only going to be opening Terminal 2 and Terminal 4 over the, the coming months. So we have a lot, of, uh, a lot of traffic coming in on the two terminals, Terminal 1 and Terminal 3, that are, that are open. Um, so once those other two terminals open up, it'll start to feel a little bit lighter, uh, but the, the, the real reason is, is we've got to get North Asia opened up. Right now, we see a lot of traffic into Southeast Asia, places like Australia, Europe, the U.S. Um, but North Asia, Hong Kong, China, Taiwan, uh, Japan mm. really remains either closed off or quite a few restrictions. And mm. until that changes, we will not get back to 2019 levels. Yeah. On that point, Todd, you know, I recently returned to England for the first time in four years and Stating the obvious, going from Changi Airport to Heathrow Airport, 
night and day, night and day. I mean, you've read the stories. They're having utter chaos there. They've got staffing problems, union problems, baggage problems. Sure. Uh, many of the na- national carriers have had to scrap some of their flights because they just don't have the airport staff to cope with the resurgent demand. I mean, taking a broader view, what is it in your view that Changi Airport has done so right that other airports appear to have done so wrong coming out of the pandemic? Yeah, so the, the one thing that happened here, both with Singapore Airlines, our national carrier, and, and of course with the uh, Chingy Airport Group, is they retained a lot of the staff. Um, the government did a, a stupendous job of providing financial relief to organizations, and that allowed you know, the airlines and the airport to continue to, to keep staff on. Now, we've seen recently they've had a uh, travel fair trying to get more people on, but what you see around the world, and I was, like I said, I was just at a, a, an annual business uh, travel conference in San Diego uh, over the last few days, and the airports in the U.S. are uh, are at full capacity based on the staff that they have. So if you think about it, for you know two years or so, airlines, airports, um, either retrenched a lot of staff, or when people retired, they didn't uh, didn't go out and hire actively hire folks. So if you look, for example. Qantas is an example. I think they're mishandling twice as many bags now as they did pre-pandemic levels. Wow. And recently asked you know, kind of senior management folks to get out and help. They were looking for 100 volunteers to <laughs> from management to go out and help with bags. So if you look at you know, places like the UK, Australia, the US, it's really around getting talent into the pipeline. And when it comes to flying aircraft, obviously those are highly qualified individuals and you don't just ramp people up over a few weeks or at least you hope you don't because you want to get on a plane that is um, being flown by uh, you know professionals who are well qualified. But that's been the problem has really been a two years of, of lack of talent in the, in, the, in the pipeline. And that is getting fixed. Airlines are reducing, uh, reducing capacity to ensure that they are not uh, doing the situation where they're, you know, canceling flights at the last minute. Yeah. Todd, I, uh, I had a conversation a few weeks ago with the, the COO of a local um, discount airline here, and, and he was saying it's probably going to be October or so before they will really be back up to what they would consider full strength. Because it does take time, it takes a month or two months to recertify crew, uh, not only, you know, once you get them back in, back on the on the payroll and, and back in the door. Um, from from Sabre's perspective, uh, we're, we're when when are you thinking that we might see some sort of normalcy? Uh, keeping in mind, I think the U.S. is now at twenty five percent cancellation of flights um, on a regular basis. But, but for this part of the world, when do you think we'll see some kind of normalcy in in flights and 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 staffing for crews and things like that? Sure. Yeah. It, so it really varies uh, quite significantly by market, by country. Yeah. And, and also um, keeping in mind what yeah. you said earlier about North Asia, right, you know, still has a lot of structural uh, challenges. Yeah, I would say um, I have flown numerous times since uh, Singapore really opened up in, in April. And I've had really pleasant experiences. I've had some kind of I've been to Japan a couple of times on the business visa. I've had some challenges there because they have staffing issues. So I think it really varies by by market. But if you think kind of Glenn and Neil, it's only been 11 months that we had these vaccinated travel lanes, right? Mm. 11 months ago, 12 months ago, I flew out of Terminal 3 and mm. I took a picture. There was absolutely one other person in the entire terminal. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we've come, a, we've come a long way. Singapore has done a, an amazing job of quickly ramping up. 
but it's it's challenging in areas, particularly in places like Australia, New Zealand, where um, you know getting staff back into the system has been proven to be more of a, a more of a challenge. And if you think about you know one of the big the big airlines here in the in the region, Cathay Pacific, is not really flying. I mean, they're flying, but they're not. Uh, it's a lot of capacity that has been taken out of the system. So we have two problems. One is we have kind of service levels. And then another thing we've seen over the last few months is really significant price increases yes. due to demand outstripping supply. So um, there's a, you know, I, I really like the idea that by September we're back to some sort of kind of normal environment. Um, I'm a little bit more pessimistic and I think we're going to be really into kind of early part of 23 before we see the entire system kind of be back into a normal um, hmm. you know, kind of pre-COVID levels of either capacity as well as you know pricing all of those and, and the traveler experience, all those things which are important to us both as consumers of corporate travel and leisure travel. Does the end of the summer travel season give airlines and airports a breather to sort of regroup? It, it does in some ways, but you know it's interesting. I returned a, a car hire uh, back at LAX airport yesterday, and the um, I. They were telling me that they have a thousand cars going out and a thousand cars coming in, which is like at the you know what they would have probably on a very very busy weekend because mm. in the U.S. right now a lot of parents are taking their students to university. Oh. So and then we see come September. September is typically the largest month uh, in corporate travel. So I, I think we will see. It really will be kind of November December before we start to see kind of what the industry will look like based on kind of normal capacity, hmm. you know, airport operations, et cetera. Well, let's turn it around, Todd, and talk about the Singaporean experience. There was news this week that uh, in the media saying, if you need to renew your passport, Singaporeans, do it now because we're expecting a, a, a huge bump in the end of the year with the school holidays and so on, uh, leaving Singapore. So let's talk about the experience of leaving Singapore. What advice would you give to Singaporeans who, who are considering traveling in large numbers hmm at the end of the year, whether it's short haul or long haul? Yeah, well, it, it's, it's interesting talking about uh, kind of mishandling baggage. Uh, so what we've seen is that more people are trying to cram things into their carry-on luggage, right? So they don't, you know, yeah. when they get to London or they get to Sydney, they don't have to worry about their bag being misplaced. Right. And that has created more problems at the uh, security checkpoints. You know, one of the things we're really fortunate to have here in Singapore, and it's one of the few airports in the world that has this, is that you have security at the gate, right? So yeah. you're not commingling with everyone that comes into the airport operations. Yeah. So I would think, you know, you know, first, first of all, uh, I've talked to a few people here who let their passport expire during the pandemic, and uh, now getting into the queue to get one of those has proven to be a bit of a challenge. I don't know if that's improved over the last few weeks. But, you know, getting your passport, making sure you've got the right visas. The beautiful thing about a Singapore passport, you need very few visas to go around the world, which is great. And then uh, thinking about packing and thinking about where your destination is, because every place is not Singapore. So if you're going to one of these destinations, which has had um, a, really a challenging uh, few months in the recovery, baggage handling, airport operations, I would say get there very early. Particularly, Singapore is, is great, right, because we use the automated machines, but... When you're returning back to Singapore, arrive early, making sure you're packing smartly, uh, making sure that you're packing your carry-on bag with an overnight change of clothes, something to get you through a day just in case your luggage doesn't make it. 
and then also having good travel insurance. Those are you know, yeah. usually kind of some important parts of traveling. Yeah, the travel insurance especially. Uh, Todd, last question to you. When would we would expect, or when would you expect, when would Sabre expect uh, some of the, the pricing on tickets uh, to come down? It mm. is, it's brutal. Uh, no matter where you go, it's just you're paying, we're all paying way too much, or I should say way more than we would have paid pre-COVID. When, I, yeah. Just to jump sure. into that, Todd, to give one personal example, a good friend of mine, a student, uh, has got to go back to the UK a little bit earlier to change her flight, $1,400 just to change her flight. <laughs> So this is where we're at at the moment. Yeah. What, what's pricing look yeah, like? This is, yeah. So fortunately, um, it may not seem like it to you, Glenn and Neil, but pricing has been reduced by about 15% since its peak in late May. Really? Wow. Um, but again, there's a um, bit of capacity issue, right? And particularly mm-hmm. for us here in Singapore, as I mentioned before, Cathay Pacific is not really kind of flying. So uh, I've been back and forth to the U.S. a couple of times over the last month or so. And there's just, you know, there's fewer options, right? So airlines are not necessarily taking advantage of that, but they're pricing competitively. And as a result, it's higher pricing. So we've already seen, started seeing some reduction in, in pricing, which is great, but not nearly the amount that we that we need to see here. Singapore has always had a, a big higher price point, point of sale, point of origin. It's been usually about 17% higher than we've seen out of the point of sale Hong Kong market. So I'm really interested to see what happens once we get into full recovery. Mm. Uh, does that stay the same or does this Singapore having more capacity, having more airlines fly here, then helps with the whole competitive environment and we see a more normalization of uh, pricing in the big hub markets, Singapore versus Hong Kong. Um, so I'm hopeful that as a consumer, I'm hopeful that prices continue to come down. But I think we're still in a, uh, a situation where it will be, you know, sometime early next year before we see any significant reduction in pricing. Wow. All right. Todd Arthur, Managing Director of Sabre Corporate. Thanks so much, Todd, for being with us. Always great to talk with you. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Glenn. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.